Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been here since the beginning, it's our pleasure to have you with us. You're listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. This is episode 51 and my name is Baz. I'm your host. In today's show, uh, we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frame for all things maritime history and cruise news. And a little later in the show, we're joined by a very special guest, Emma from Emma Cruises over in the UK, is joining us to tell us about the excitement surrounding the restart of cruise in the UK, which uh, seems to have become the, the centre of the cruise universe uh, for, the, for the short term. Um, so we'll be chatting with Emma a little later in the show. Um, we also have a uh, quick thank you to those that are sending questions in. We've got a listener question today, which um, I'm actually going to surprise Chris with, because um, it's uh, not something we can really... Um, give him time to think on. It'll all become clear when we get to that part of the show. And if you uh, do want to send a question in or you uh, want to contact us about doing a cruise review because you maybe have booked a cruise out of the UK, Singapore, Taiwan, etc., um, you can do so via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, you'll find Join the Show, and that's where you can send uh, those little bits and pieces through to us. And we also really appreciate uh, those of you that have been uh, sharing this podcast far and wide. Uh, whatever you've been doing, it's really working. We're now sitting within the, the top 10% of global leisure podcasts, which is an incredible achievement in uh, in just over a year. Um, so thank you. And again, if you, you think of somebody that uh, might like this uh, this podcast and enjoys cruising, uh, by all means, share it with them, and uh, I'm sure they'll thank you later. But uh, let's get straight into it. Let's go and join Chris for the first half of the show. <laughs> podcast edition we always welcome back our good friend maritime historian and all things cruise news chris frame welcome back to the show mate thanks so much baz and quite a week in maritime history this week yeah we've chosen to record a day early today to kind of mark or uh, mark our respects for something that happened 109 years ago yes absolutely so recording this on the 15th of april um, back in 1912, and strangely enough, it just so happens by coincidence that the time that we're recording this would have roughly coincided with the time when the Titanic was taking its final plunge on that fateful night uh, when she sunk. I know uh, when we discussed that just off air and we realized what the time difference would have been, it's a little bit um, 
uh, a little bit eerie, I suppose. But yeah. um, yes, a hundred and well, one hundred nine years ago in nineteen twelve, the Titanic um, on April fourteenth at eleven forty p.m. she hit the the iceberg there in the North Atlantic, um, and um, several hours later, in the early morning of the fifteenth, the ship the ship sank. Um, and I think, as we were talking about, as everybody knows the sort of story of Titanic. Um, but one of the things that that, that you mentioned was um, the the ship that actually saved the survivors, and mm-hmm. that that got me thinking. Well, perhaps we should have a little bit of a chat about about Carpathia, which sure. was a Cunard ship, and and it was the ship that rescued all of the Titanic survivors. Other ships did end up coming on the scene to help look for um, any any remaining survivors, but all of the people who actually survived the disaster um, were picked up by Carpathia. Mm-hmm. Now, Carpathia was a, a very different kind of ship to Titanic. She was a much smaller ship um, than Titanic, only one funnel and uh, four masts, and was was built in the early 1900s. So she had a, um, a a longer heritage, I suppose, than Titanic did. So she'd already been well and truly in service by the time of the 1912 disaster. Um, Carpathia herself was um, originally designed... Uh, for a particular uh, Atlantic service, but then was reconditioned to offer voyages from America uh, up into the Mediterranean. And she carried 100 first-class passengers, 200 second-class passengers, and remarkably, a ship that is, you know, quite a small ship by today's standards, mm-hmm. she, she carried 2,250 people in third class. Whoa! Um, which uh, she, so she was thirteen thousand five hundred tons, and um, say the QE two for example, which is another big Atlantic liner, uh, bigger than Titanic, seventy thousand mm-hmm. tons, uh, and Carpathia carried more people than QE two did. So <laughs> um, those old those old liners they used to carry a lot of people in, in third class. But on this particular night when Titanic hit the iceberg, Carpathia had was outbound from New York on her way across the Atlantic, and she wasn't. Um, sailing at full capacity by any means um, and when um, they realized that Titanic was 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 doomed and was going to sink the order was given um, to send out the international distress call which was originally um, known as the CQD it was a Morse code um, code um, that was sent out and then the Titanic radio operators opted to use the new but very um, you know, relatively un, unused at that stage SOS call. So okay. uh, two different distress calls that were sent out. Uh, and this, of course, was done on the old radio systems where it was dots and dashes and stuff. It didn't. It, there's no voice communication or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now, Titanic's radio room was um, manned 24-7. There was Marconi wireless operators and there was two of them and they would work in shifts to ensure that the radio was, was being monitored at all times. But at this stage in 1912, not all ships had radio rooms, and of those that did, most of them didn't have 24-hour coverage. It was okay. Yeah, like it was literally one radio operator, and their primary purpose um, in there was was um, to send messages. Uh, the ships would use them to communicate, but the radio rooms were there as part of the Marconi company to allow passengers and um, and and businesses to send messages from ship to shore. Um, oh, so more of a commercial yeah, kind of operation. Yeah, like that was the intention behind it, but of course it was also used for the safety aspect as well. 
but like the 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 payoff, I suppose, the reason why they were able to put this expensive equipment into these ships is because passengers could, first class passengers particularly, could pay a handsome sum to send a a message home, you know, and uh, and, and by by wireless telegraph um, <laughs> telegram rather, you could receive a message saying having a fantastic time on board the Carpathia, three days out at sea, looking forward to seeing you, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a little bit of a of a novelty, but they would also use it to to, to send information from the shipping lines about um, various voyages or passenger manifest information or um, share information could be brought to the ship for those um, investors okay. on board who didn't want to stay out of the loop. Um, but of course, because they were there, the, 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 they, they operated sort of separately under the Marconi company, but the captain, of course, has the overall um, control of the ship. And so they would use the radio room to receive messages about um, condi- weather conditions and icebergs and all that sort of stuff, which is why we hear about all these ice messages that Titanic was receiving because there was lots of ships in the area that had Marconi wireless and they were noticing that there was a lot of bergs around. Right. So, so back on Carpathia that evening, Titanic's hit the iceberg and she is, she is sinking and the distress calls are going out and the Carpathia's radio operator, a man named Harold Cottom, had already finished for the evening. He'd gone off to have, um, you know, get ready for bed and have a, I think he might have had a, a warm drink before bed. You know, it was very cold um, in the Atlantic at this stage. And for whatever reason, and I guess no one will ever really know, as he was getting himself ready for bed, he decided to stick his headphones, headset on. I mean, he'd been sitting there all day, but he decided to stick his headset on and just listen to the traffic that was going here and there. And he, oh. he thought he was going to pick up on Titanic's messages to Cape Race, which is the one of the receiving stations in America um, mm-hmm. and um, just listening to all of the you know messages that were going backwards and forwards about this, that, and the other rich and famous person. And instead he heard the distress call. So you can imagine, my goodness, the Titanic, yeah. the unsinkable ship on its maiden voyage is is down by the head and um, come, come at, at once it's, it's distress call. So he um, responded to the Titanic to basically check that this was – this was accurate. And at first he, he thought that there was a whole heap of information coming from Cape race for, for Titanic. So he actually sent them a message and said, they, they used to use this like funny language between them. So he sent a message to, to Titanic he said, I, I, I say, old man, uh, did you know that there's a whole heap of messages waiting for you at, um, at Cape race? And the Titanic's radio operator, um, Jack Phillips, he, he responded and said, um, we're coming once we're sinking. This is CQD old man. And so um, Harold Cottom, then realizing what's going on, he burst out of his, out of the Marconi room. He went straight to the bridge. The bridge officers thought he was, I don't know, crazy. crazy. <laughs> so he burst into the captain's cabin, which is something you don't do, and woke the captain mm-hmm. up. Um, but Captain Rostron, who was the commander of Carpathia, who went on to become a, a, a very respected commodore for Cunard, um, he took it seriously and immediately ordered Carpathia's course change to where Titanic's position was and and mounted a, a very daring rescue um, effort. So, you know, they diverted all the steam to the engines to give the ship the, the highest speed. They they deactivated the heating, for example, so that the, oh, wow. I mean they, they distributed hot water bottles and stuff to passengers and blankets, but you know, make sure all the steam was going to the engines. Um they rigged up lighting on the side of the ship. They had um, rope ladders that were ready. They had the lifeboats swung out and prepared. They had multiple lookouts put on the bow. And, and Carpathia herself actually had to um, make some pretty daring maneuvers to get around 
icebergs as well. Um, yeah. But they were very much, um, uh, you know, prepared for that, I suppose, because they had multiple lookouts and they were aware of the conditions they were going into and lots of different commands being yelled out to the helm to, to maneuver the ship. And she safely arrived at around about four o'clock in the morning, but of course, Titanic sank just, just under two hours earlier. And so all that they found were the um, 18 um, lifeboats and two um, partially sunk collapsible lifeboats with the, with the survivors and, and brought some, just over 700 people on board. Um, you know, of course, we, we all know that the Titanic um, had a tremendous loss of life and it was about 1,500 people uh, who, who perished. So, um, but, you know, Carpathia, then she stayed, she stayed on, on the scene for that day um, searching for survivors, other ships arrived, and Captain Rostron sort of um, co- uh, t- sort of took command of that search and rescue effort for that day. But then it was decided mm-hmm. that they needed to get those survivors to New York, so the other ships stayed to pick up um, those who had perished, I suppose, that were, were still in the water. And Carpathia went um, went to New York, um, and when she when she arrived, it was just pandemonium that they 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 dropped off the the lifeboats at the white star pier and then they docked the ship at the cunard pier and there was media and press and families and it was quite a scene for yeah for the the crew i suppose as well to see all this um carpathia then went on to have a to have a uh, an ongoing career with with cunard um until world war one uh when she was being used in a convoy and she was actually torpedoed and sunk by um u-boat u-55 um, and it took um, uh, three torpedoes uh, that were fired into her to sink her. So she had a she had a sad ending. Um, yeah. But will forever ever be remembered as as that ship that um, that rescued the people from Titanic. And interestingly enough, whilst many many ship names were recycled throughout history, they've never reused the name Carpathia. So it's always been dedicated to that special ship. Wow, yeah. As you say, it's a story that's not known that widely, and it's uh, a pleasure to be able to share it with the, the listeners this week on what is a very, very important uh, day during uh, during April, mid-April yeah, and of you know, 2021. Also strange, Baz, is that it doesn't seem that long ago <laughs> that it was the 100th anniversary, but when you realize it's been nine years since 2012, and it's like, whoa, yeah. where did that go? So, yeah. um, Because, of course, on the, on the 100th anniversary, there was so much interest in... in um, in that anniversary and i think it was the first time for because you know you see that you see that scene at the end of a titanic movie and there's the carpathia on the horizon and then they've got that you know that scene on the on the deck where they're counting passengers and that sort of thing but what is you know the drama that was unfolding on titanic on on this little cunard ship there was this massive drama unfolding as well as they were making this daring attempt to try and get there and i think at some point during the evening they, they would have realized i mean they couldn't hear titanic's just calls anymore they must have realized that the worst had happened but they still they still went there they still got there and um and and rescued those people and of course at this point white star and cunard were competitors not that that matters on the open ocean everybody does what mm. they can to to assist fellow uh mariners um but uh but Absolutely. great that she was able to uh, to do what she did to rescue those 700 souls, of course. Yes, yes. And as you as you mentioned later in the 1930s, the two companies would, would eventually end up in a in a merger, although Cunard did retain the, the sort of managing share of that merger, but it became Cunard White Star. So, um, you know, 
today, if you travel, well, not today, but in the future, when <laughs> if you could resumes, travel, <laughs> if you could travel on a Cunard ship, you would notice that the the crew wear a little pin that says White Star, and that's because White Star Line was renowned for its its service, its its first class mm-hmm. service, and so they have now on the Cunard ships, they they kind of continue that that um, White Star style of silver sort of silver service. Um, yeah, um, activity, which was what was kind of inherited when they when they merged the two companies together. Brilliant. Now, keeping with Cunard as we move into mm. cu- into cruise news, um, somebody who I know you know very well, Captain Christopher Wells, retires after twenty years service with Cunard. Yes, he was retired from um, his last command, which was the Queen Mary Two, a ship he's been with for, for quite some time now. Um, Captain Wells, I mean, anybody who's traveled with him will know if they've traveled with him because he was a very, a very friendly, a very personable um, captain. He gave the most delightful um, reports from the bridge and uh, would very affectionately refer to to the ships that he'd, he'd sailed with um, and, and somebody that I really enjoyed um, uh, talking to and getting to know. He was a, it was a, a great captain to, to sail with. Um, he had a fantastic um, career. He um, you know, gone to sea. He joined Cunard in the 1990s, uh, and Cunard was a very different company in the 1990s. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was he was um, QE2 was the flagship. Then he was a chief officer on board the QE2. He also had um, time as chief officer on the Royal Viking Sun, which was one of the smaller Cunard cruise ships, um, luxury cruise ships, one of the highest rated ship in the world at the time, in fact. Mm. Um, and then also the Cunard Countess, which was one of their small um, four-star uh, sort of a Carnival cruise line style ships. Of course, Cunard wasn't part of Carnival then, but it was that like fun ship sort of experience on the Cunard Countess. Mm-hmm. Um, he rose through the ranks to become the staff captain of the QE2. And then he went to uh, France where he stood by QM2 and became her first um, staff captain as well when after she was delivered in, um, in 2003. And uh, her maiden voyage was in 2004. So by this stage, of course, Cunard and P&O, uh, sorry, Cunard and Carnival rather, had been um, brought in together. Carnival had purchased mm-hmm. Cunard. Um, and so uh, Carnival started to move captains around between the different brands to allow them to experience, the, I guess, the Carnival way of doing things and to bring in some of the expertise that companies like Cunard and P&O had as well to sort of share yep. it around. So Captain Wells himself, he had a stint at Princess. He became the captain of the Oriana, which was a P&O ship, and mm-hmm. also the Oceana, which was another P&O ship. And then he went back to Cunard and became the first captain of the Queen Elizabeth, um, where he was at the launch ceremony standing next to Her Majesty the Queen when the ship was named Queen Elizabeth back in 2010 and finished up um, with Queen Mary II. And um, he was the captain on board... QM2 when um, I did my the centenary transatlantic crossing, which was in, in 2019, which um, it, it uh, commemorated Cunard's 100 years of sailing between Southampton and New York, because prior to oh, that wow. it had been Liverpool and New York or Liverpool and Boston. So, um, yeah, that was my, my last uh, sailing with Captain Wells, but um, we ended up um, making our way through a Force uh, 12. <laughs> and he he uh, gave some lovely updates from the bridge about how the ship was handling it, and of course we got to New York on time and safely. So um, I hope he has a very happy retirement. 
<laughs> I've never never sailed with him, but I, I think I vaguely remember some of the publicity shots from when he was stood atop the uh, Opera House in yes. Sydney Harbour, yes. um, whilst uh, I think it was Queen Mary was over the other side of uh, Circular Quay, of course. Yeah, they had Queen Mary on one side, and I think Queen Elizabeth was um, was in the port at the same time, if I remember correctly, and mm-hmm. the two ships together um, for 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 one of the many meeting of the Queen's rendezvous in Sydney, we used yeah, to have, yeah, the rendezvous. I mean, hopefully they'll come back when they're when the cruising resumes because it's always so glorious to see the two well, it'd be nice to have all three of them Cunard ships together in Sydney Harbour yeah can you imagine mm. <laughs> well, I am imagining <laughs> if anyone Cunard planning is listening <laughs> let's do that yeah well once again well done to uh, Captain sorry he's now um, he's been awarded Commodore status hasn't he for for his efforts and uh, career. Uh, well done once again. Staying with that Carnival uh, brand, but a little closer to home here in Australia, Piano Australia has uh, completed the transformation of Encounter. Yes, and uh, another one of their new ships, which um, obviously had a had a previous life. She was the former Golden Princess, uh, a lovely, mm-hmm. popular ship. Um, and she's now been turned into a P&O cruiser ship. New name, Pacific Encounter. Um, she had a big refit in Singapore. Um, I suppose visually the most notable noticeable difference is the the Princess Sea Witch logo is no longer on the bow. It's got the Australian um, stars that the P&O cruiser ships have and it's also got that enormous mm-hmm. P&O logo on the funnel, um, which I think in uh, on Encounter and Adventure are the largest P&O letters in the world <laughs> um, <laughs> from, what I, from what I can tell because, of, of course, P&O in the UK don't, don't do that with their ships. Don't do that, no. They're, they're enormous. Um, and of course, the interiors have been tweaked and, and, and um, Australianized and, and recarpeted and reupholstered, and rooms have been re- rebuilt. So it's it's kind of like a new ship. Um, they've got some of the P and O Australia, um, you know, signature places like um, Angelo's and Dragon Lady and the Waterfront, which are the three big restaurants, mm-hmm. um, and of course, um, many of the interior spaces that 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 princess had on board would be re have been redone into the p&o style um which of course is something it will share with um uh with encounter and explorer um and adventure as well uh, so this one will be based in brisbane when cruising resumes um if only we knew that when when that was baz um, <laughs> and there's now the three ships i suppose ready to resume um cruising and although P&O Australia was by 2015 a five ship fleet these three ships that are in service now are not any newer than their predecessors but they're also bigger uh, oh so, yeah much much bigger passenger yeah, counts i mean encounter and adventure are both over 100 100,000 tons um they're of the grand class which back in 1998 when it was first introduced aboard the grand princess was the largest ship in the world so um they're not babies they're they're big ships and uh you know, much more modern than the, the well, I was very fond of the old P&O uh, Pacific Jewel and Pacific Dawn and Pearl, but uh, these ones are much more modern, much, much more a sort of uh, contemporary experience. And next up, we've got a double whammy of news from our favorite French cruise line, Penant. Yes, yeah, so they're going to be sailing to 58, um, well, on 58 Mediterranean cruises in 2022. Um, and these ones here, they range between a week and two weeks. Um, but what's interesting here is that they're going to be visiting um, UNESCO World Heritage Sites. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I think a lot of people will be interested to, to revisit when cruising reopens. 
um, with a particular focus on things such as um, music, architecture, language, art, history, you know, this sort of cultural experience. And there's mm-hmm. a whole heap of different voyages that, um, that they've, they've got on offer, but a couple that stood out for me um, was a, a Black Sea cruise, which starts oh, yep. and finishes in Istanbul. But there's only one of those, so they're, they're not repeating that one, at least at the moment. So um, if you're interested in that, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, and the other one was a, a cruise to Croatia, but actually departs and arrives back in Venice. Now, of course, last week we spoke um, about the change yeah. in Venice, but the, the Penance ships are small enough that they can still go into Venice. Um, so there's a nice opportunity for you to see those sort of classic Venetian sites, but also then um, make the voyage over to, to Croatia, which is, um, you know, I've, I've cruised, cruised only once to Croatia, but I thought it was just brilliant. Um, oh, it is. And that, that cruise for Penance has been very, very popular over the years. Um, that, that seven night round trip out of Venice. And just, yeah, as you say, Croatia is stunning to be able to do it out of an iconic city like Venice. It just ticks a, a few extra boxes for people. And uh, Penance also announced a new uh, collaboration this week as well. Yeah, they're collaborating with the Smithsonian, um, which of course is one of the, um, well, is I think the world's um, foremost uh, museum and research uh, institution. Um, and from 2022, they're going to be bringing Smithsonian experts on board to to talk and share information uh, with the Penang guests um, from everything, including, you know, if they're going to these World Heritage sites, I mean, naturally, you'd imagine that there's a lot of history there. Um, but with their sort of focus on the various different themes, like from language and cuisine and all that sort of thing, they'll have different speakers who or and experts who will be able to um, to help you through those experiences. Um, and of these Smithsonian journeys, um, they'll actually be departing from a variety of different locations, but the absolute standout for me is one that goes to Antarctica, which I think sounds absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, you know, there's voyages to Japan and Iceland, um, Mediterranean, and even the Norwegian fjords. Yeah, which is interesting, actually, because Penance have traditionally always had a collaboration with National Geographic. So I'm wondering whether that one has been paused and this is new or whether the two will operate in tandem to each other because they were always previously very popular as well. I guess if anyone's from Penance uh, listening, they can uh, get in touch with you, Baz, and let you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, up to a bigger ship now, Holland America Line, of course, uh, been around for a very long time. Mm. But uh, it was actually 25 years ago almost when they purchased their private hi- sorry, private island mm. in the, the Bahamas, Hoff Moon Key. Yeah, it's interesting, Baz, because um, just before we were recording this podcast, I actually gave the first um, early ocean liners lecture that I've given to a live crowd in, in just over 13 months. And one of the lines that comes up, of course, is Holland America Line because mm-hmm. they've been there since the beginning. Um, and so with that, they've um, they've transitioned, obviously, from ocean liner company to cruise line and, and been involved in, in developing the cruise industry for a very long time. Um, and they, they've they had uh, this particular Half Moon uh, Key private island for 25 years. Um, so, you know, they've they've obviously been pioneering that for quite a long time. And this particular island is, I um, mean, Holland America Line, it's, a, it's a, a premium brand, so you can imagine the island's a premium experience. Um, and it's been uh, awarded by a variety of different cruise um, industry magazines and publications as, as one of the highest ranked in the, in the Caribbean. Um, and it includes such things as a 700-acre lagoon. It also has its own restaurants there. So you leave the ship 
tender ashore, or I think you might even be able to dock there on some of the ships. At the, at I that think they're line. building a, a new uh, tender dock, actually. Tender dock, okay. And then there's like, so the restaurant experience is there. You don't have to go back to the ship for lunch. You can you can have it, and it includes a, you know, like especially lobster restaurant, for example. And if you're traveling with kids, there's even a water park there, so you don't have to worry about what to do with the kids. Yeah, there's a sunken galleon in the beach, that's right. But the the thing I love about this island, because a lot of the uh, the private islands have been quite developed nowadays, but Horn America's really left it quite um, quite natural. Yeah. In fact, they've only developed such a tiny percentage of it. It's actually become quite a um, bird reserve on the, the, yeah. the, the ladder part of the island. It's not that touched. previously, that there's a big bird, yeah. Yeah, big bird sanctuary, yeah. that's right, yeah. Now, we, we just touched on Antarctica briefly. We probably should have linked into this next bit mm. of news, but Atlas Ocean Voyages, which is a new cruise line kind of startup at the moment, they're doing something special in Antarctica. Yes, you can um, get married <laughs> in Antarctica. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought? Um, so you can take this uh, particular voyage. It's a, it's a, a voyage that um, is coincides with Valentine's Day in 2022, um, and uh, sail into Antarctic waters, and then they can have you can have your wedding um, ceremony or a vow renewal ceremony there um, in Antarctica. Um, now they say that the um, package is complimentary for guests who register in, in advance. I suppose, um, given that it's a special voyage for this, that that that's what they're expecting people to want to do on this particular voyage. Um, <laughs> And of course, you know, like um, getting married is, is a, um, a major commitment and a, and a legal thing. So they, they look after that sort of side for it for you with a marriage license. Uh, and it includes all sorts of different things in the, in the package from your cake through to, um, you know, customized invitations and all sorts of other things. Um, but I don't know, Baz, of any other, I mean, unless you've heard of something, any other cruise line that's offering uh, weddings in Antarctica. So that does certainly stand out. No, no, weddings at sea definitely, but weddings Antarctica no. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they've got to they've got to be a first. I wonder what be which would be the uh, the legal jurisdiction that you you kind of married under. I, I imagine it's probably the the um, whatever jurisdiction the ship is flagged under, because I know that when um, they wanted to offer weddings at sea on board some of the some of the bigger cruise ships they that were registered in the, in the UK, for example, they had to re-register them in. Um, the Bahamas because it allowed ah. for onboard weddings. So okay. um, it, I don't know off the top of my head where Atlas's ships are, are registered, but my, my gut feel would be that it will come under the jurisdiction of the, um, of the flag state. Okay, good to know. Now, next up, we've got a, a couple of um, not good news stories as such, but there's, there's some terrible things going on in the world. The first one is a, a, a political situation in Myanmar, which we won't get too involved in, but there is a bit of a natural emergency taking place there. And Paul Strachan, who's the founder of Poundor, which was a pioneer in river cruising in that area, has set up a uh, uh, a charity mm. uh, to try and help out the people up there. And already they've raised a significant amount of money. Yes, over 120,000 US dollars. And this is going towards, you know, trying to help with that terrible crisis. Um, from everything from treating the wounded and setting up clinics to offering GP services and, and free medical support for the people who are affected by uh, what's happening there. Yeah, and if any of the listeners do want to get involved, I will have the link to the show notes there, which uh, will take you through to the, the Pandor website. Um, very reputable company and uh, very strong in that particular part of the world of doing what they can to try and help out 
their former colleagues and everybody else in that, that little community up there. Mm. In a similar vein, but over in the Caribbean, there's been a bit of a, an emergency situation in St. Vincent. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I mean, Baz, we've spoken many, many times about how yeah. in natural disaster situations, the cruise lines are often the first to, to come yep. to the aid. And the same thing's happened here in St. Vincent's uh, after the recent... And it rarely gets reported. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Particularly, particularly in the last uh, twelve months, um, I think the there's been a numerous situations where the laid-up ships have gone to aid, um, and this is just another example with the with the volcanic situation that's happened there. Um, so there's there's a there's a, a number of ships that are laid up nearby, and and ships from Royal Caribbean and Celebrity as well as Carnival um, all um, offered assistance um, to those who were affected. Um, and in fact, the, the Serenade of the Seas uh, even took on board some some people. Uh, I think just over 130 of them um, mm-hmm. to transport them away from the the, the worst of the situation. Um, many of the other cruise ships have been standing by in within reach of of the region. And although most people have opted to stay ashore, um, it just goes to show. I mean, these are these are um, partially you know pretty much laid up cruise ships with only skeleton crews on board. Um, operated by cruise lines, which haven't had you know passengers really sailing for over a year, and yet they're still there and ready to to do the right thing and go to the aid of um, of those in need in in these islands and and different regions around the world. Yeah, no, it is, and uh, definitely needs a bit of, a bit more airtime in the the general media mm. because they they often go above and beyond. As you said, we've spoken about it many many times here on the, the podcast. Um, that's all we've got for in cruise news, but I do have a list of questions which I haven't sent through to you, Chris, for a particular reason. But let's just have a quick break, and then uh, we'll jump straight back into it. Okay. Hello, it's me again. Just a quick reminder. Um, If you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me A Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you uh, then receive priority access to the podcast because if all of our supporters do receive the, uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live. And uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for iTunes and the other podcast directories to, to pick it up. So if you would like uh, that priority access, then the easiest way to do so is to support us by buying me a coffee. You can buy one coffee, you can buy two coffees, you can buy 10 coffees, or you can buy a whole year's supply. It's entirely up to you, but every single uh, little donation through Buy Me A Coffee is greatly appreciated. The links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. Okay, Chris, this next one is uh, for you, actually. It came through from Samuel. He sent a question through the, the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. And uh, the reason I didn't tell you is he he's noticed that when we have guests on the podcast, I quite often do a little bit of fun, quick fire round, and he thought it'd be interesting to see <laughs> what your answers would be to some of those questions. Uh, so I didn't want to pre-warn you. No, okay. Because uh, so we... uh race has gone up. <laughs> <laughs> First one's always an easy one. Sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunset. Showtime in the Royal Court Theatre or Enrichment in Illuminations? Enrichment in Illuminations, particularly if I can stand on the stage and give the lecture. (laughs) (laughs) 
Afternoon tea in the Queen's Room ballroom or a quiet moment in the car? Is it the Corinthia Lounge? Corinthia Lounge. Um, I do afternoon tea in the Queen's Room. Yep. Okay. At a window seat to watch the ocean go by at the same time. Yep. I think I know the answer to the next one, but would it be a day ashore or a day at sea? A day at sea. In the Commodore Club, it's my shout. What are you drinking? Oh, I like um, Scotch and Dry. Okay. Yep. Good news. Pretty, pretty um, simple, but uh, it, it's. I had. Um, they do some specialty cocktails on board the um, on board the Cunard ships, and they have a, in the Commodore Club. They have a different cocktail for each of the different Commodores. So try, oh, okay. trying those out is nice, but uh, no, I think that I'd stick with my my Scotch and Dry. <laughs> <laughs> and would you prefer a traditional pub lunch in the Golden Lion or a speciality dining opportunity in verandas? Uh, let's go to veranda. Okay. I mean, the pub lunch is fantastic, right? But you got a special well, occasion, you're a sea, you might as well celebrate Let's it. Let's do both. Let's do both. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's assume that we're not doing a one-night cruise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did like, you know, I, I tell you one, one thing though, Baz, I did like um, uh, Todd English, which was the old specialty restaurant on board. Um, I thought it had a previous name, yeah, but I couldn't think what it was. Yeah, so, I mean, it's had sort of three incarnations. It was Todd English, then it was Veranda with the old French cuisine menu, and now it's Veranda as a steakhouse. Um, and okay. um, uh, Todd English... Uh, it, that restaurant i had the best chocolate fallen cake i've ever had in my life so oh wow yeah it was amazing <laughs> good to know good to know uh now next would it be a treatment to the canyon ranch spa or a relaxing day by the pool uh probably you know I, i'll be honest i've never actually had a treatment at the canyon ranch spa so ah. let's give that a try next time okay get, get, get it booked in yep. and um your favorite personal location on qm2 you know there's a space on the ship just there's two spots that I, that I can think of there's a space on the ship just beneath the bridge that's like mm-hmm. an observation platform that spans all the way from the, the port to the starboard side with the forward facing view that's absolutely spectacular for just watching the bow and as the ship goes and you're catching like the the imagery of the um, the bow waves and stuff when you're in rough seas but mm-hmm. at night time if you go to the very front of deck seven there's it's the area where the captain's cufflings are, the, the spare propeller blades. But mm-hmm. because because of the way that the ship's designed, all of the lights forward of the bridge are switched off. And if you can stand there or, or, or lie there on a clear night, you can see the Milky Way because if, oh, you're wow. out, if you're out far enough away from the city lights. And because the ship is dark at that front part of the ship, there's no illumination, nothing, nothing light forward of the bridge. It just yep. gives you this most, most spectacular and you can hear the waves and the water and it's just brilliant. Brilliant. And one last one, if you could sail on any Cunard ship tomorrow, which one would you choose? Where would it be going to and why? It would be QE2 back in her 1995 era interior, <laughs> Project okay. Lifestyle interior. Uh, I'd be doing transatlantic on her at 30 knots. And why? Because I never got to do the transatlantic on the QE2. Ah, good answer, good answer. And a great little prompt there from Samuel uh, for for asking me to do that because I hadn't thought of it. (laughs) 51 episodes this one is and we've never done it. Well, there we go. Maybe we should do yours next week. Okay. All right. I'm going to write you some questions. 
Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and if anybody else has got a list of questions, send it in via the website, the Big Cruise Pod. Ah, sorry again, the Big Cruise Podcast dot com, and just click on join the show, and that's how you can get in touch with us. But uh, that's all we've got time for today, other than giving yourself a little plug for the latest video that you're putting out. Yeah, so this week it was the the brand new cruise ships that are finally doing their maiden voyages in 2021. So a lot of ships were built. I suppose to set sail mm. last year or early this year, I haven't been able to do it yet, but with the British restart of cruising, we've got everything from Apex to um, Scarlet Lady um, through to what's going on uh, with uh, the Spirit of Adventure and even Mardi Gras, whose who's maiden voyage has been moved around a little bit. So that one's up live now, um, so you can check Brilliant. it out at Chris Frame Official. Brilliant. And of course, the show notes, Chris's YouTube channel is always in the show notes, and uh, you can uh, find it on the, the, the website there, of course. Chris, always a pleasure, mate. Um, we are recording on Thursday, as we said to him, uh, Mark, that uh, special occasion 109 years ago, but I look forward to speaking to you next Friday. Thanks so much, Baz, and take care, everyone. And next up on the podcast, we've got a very special guest, a guest that was with us quite some time ago in the early days of the show. Emma, welcome back. Hello, thank you. Um, so much has changed, I think, since we last spoke. We had no idea yeah. what was going to happen, did we? In fact, I think it was probably about 12 months ago that we, we did your review of uh, your Norwegian cruise or one of your first Norwegian cruises. Yeah, I think And yeah, so. as you say, over, over this last 12 months, the world has gone absolutely crazy. But I am so excited and so jealous of uh, people like yourself in the UK right now because you are literally the centre of the cruise universe. Yes, we are. And I'm I'm excited I'm kind of trying not to get myself too excited because I've had my heart broken so many times booking cruises that don't actually happen. But yeah. at the moment, I'm scheduled to cruise on the 20th of May Ooh. on the MSC Virtuosa for four nights. That's her first cruise. I thought I'll just get on as soon as I can. A cruise ship anywhere. It goes yeah. to Portland Island. So it literally just floats around and comes back. It's, yep. it's, it's not for the destinations, but I thought I'll try and get on a cruise as soon as I can. Fingers crossed. I'm really hoping that works out for me because MSC are one of the only cruise lines that doesn't require vaccines. And yeah. I'm 27. So I'm group 13 of 13 on the vaccine priority list, <laughs> rightly so. But when I refresh the calculators, I think it's going to be a while before I get my vaccine. So thank goodness for MSC kind of coming to my rescue. Yeah. Have you cruised with them before? I have. I've done three cruises with MSC. So I've cruised on the MSC Meraviglia and Virtuosa is basically the big sister of Meraviglia. Mm -hmm. So I already know I like that cruise ship. It's just kind of okay. a, an upgraded version. The cruises I'm doing, the first ones only have a thousand passengers on board and normally okay. Virtuosa 6,000, I think. Wow, that's a big difference. So yeah, it's going to be a sixth full. So I think that in itself will be an amazing cruise. If you could ever take a cruise that was only a sixth full, yeah. like that's going to be <laughs> good. So, of, yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Then it does go up to, I think, 80% capacity after a month, but I thought I'd get on as, as soon as I could. <laughs> uh, for the benefit of the listeners if you haven't been listening to me and chris over the last couple of weeks the the, the whole world is sending ships uh, over to the uk everything from celebrity through to viking and uh, everything in between mm -hmm. if you could choose any ship out of anything that is coming and obviously you can't because you're not going to have the vaccine but if there was one ship that's coming that you could get on and you can't what would it be so the one that I, I really wanted to get on and I tried to get on was the Sky Princess. I'm oh, yeah. a big Princess Cruises fan and I thought to myself, okay, so when cruises restart, we're going to restart with British Isles Cruises and I think it's going to be 
the end of summer. So I booked that and mm-hmm. that cruise was cancelled to make way for British Isles cruises. <laughs> so my logic was solid, but the cruise <laughs> was still cancelled and now they require vaccines so I can't cruise on Sky. I'm hoping to um, cruise on her in autumn once I have had my vaccine, but I, I just thought my logic was so good and it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it just, didn't, it just didn't work out. <laughs> I think my cruise was too long, had too many ports and they've done shorter, which I understand. But yeah, still, yeah. I got the email. You'll get to that go says, on her, I'm sure. There'll, there'll be something in the works, I'm sure. Yeah, it was just the email that says we've cancelled your British Isles cruises because we're doing a British Isles cruise season. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and obviously you've got I, a lot of loyal followers, and you're having lots of chats with everybody that's uh, in the UK and elsewhere in the world. What's the what's the vibe like? Is there a general excitement? There's so much excitement. So here. Um, a while ago, P&O and Princess came out and they said everybody needs vaccines, full stop, which means that yep. no kids can cruise on those cruises. And at the time, there was uproar and everyone was very angry about, you know, not getting their family cruises with P&O and Princess this summer. Yep. And then as soon as the P&O cruises went on sale, the website crashed, they sold out. <laughs> so uh, there's so much demand there for, I think, all, all the ships. And we have so many yep. this this summer. I think we've got nine ships maybe more than that oh yeah easily yeah in summer so yeah i think i think demand is here a lot of people will be in a similar situation to me kind of waiting i think people are waiting to see what's going to happen but as soon as that first cruise sails and it's actually happening i think Mm -hmm. people will kind of trust i think some people are nervous obviously they book a cruise it's cancelled they wait for a refund they move it you know you don't want to kind of get involved in that if you don't have to so people are waiting but as soon as we cruise I think everybody's gonna. Oh, I've got everything crossed. I mean, it's been happening successfully in Singapore and Taiwan, and yep. even in Germany and Italy for a little while before. So uh, yeah. hopefully, everybody's going to do the right thing whilst they're on board and uh, do mm-hmm. what they're they're instructed. Yeah, I, I trust it. I I see no reason why not. MSC cruising since last July, so mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and obviously, once Europe has kind of opened up and everything's back to normal, is there anywhere on your radar that you want to get to elsewhere in the world when the, the whole world has kind of opened up? I'm I'm very much, I'll try anything once. I'm trying for the short term to kind of stick closer to home just because it's, yeah. it's easier. So I do have a Norway cruise I booked that was supposed to be this May that I've pushed to next year. I have the British Isles cruise that I booked this summer pushed to next summer. <laughs> so I do have a couple kind of close to home, but I one day I'd love to get back to cruise in Asia again. I'd love to do, you know, go to the Canary Islands or somewhere warm. As much yeah. as I love cruising from Southampton, we're never really going to get great <laughs> weather even in summer. Maybe, but you know, it's not guaranteed. It'd be nice to go somewhere warm and to even get back across to to america to go to the caribbean to go to alaska to go to hawaii it feels very far away at the minute but i, I think i'll cruise anywhere once at least once <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and i know you uh, you kind of uh, found fame through your your video that you did of uh, virgin voyages back in back in the day now mm-hmm. just this last week or so they've announced that they're actually going to bring that ship back to the uk and do some short cruises there would you be tempted to, to get on if you could and, and just revisit that and see? Yeah, I would love to. So I, I, I spent what was pretty much the last night that anybody spent on board that cruise yeah, ship. Yeah. And I was underwhelmed by it because I just looked at the product. I looked at the prices and I thought, I have no idea who this is for. Who's going to spend this amount of money on this cruise? Because it's 
It's very different. And yeah. looking at the prices now, they're charging half of what they were charging before. Mm-hmm. And I think it's much more in line with what I would kind of be comfortable paying yeah, to at least try this. I always said, you know, I just, if this was the same price as Royal Caribbean or Norwegian, I'd have no problems with it. Fine. But it was the fact that they were charging kind of a Viking price. And yeah. I was thinking, I don't, I, I don't know who this is for. But yeah, I'd love to get on board. Again, they need vaccinations. So might be a while. Well, we've, we've got everything crossed that you can find your way inside the vaccine queue a little bit easier. So uh, Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> let's wait and see. Hopefully the volunteering will, will work out for you. Yes. Um, now, last time we spoke to you, your website was uh, referred to as uh, cruising isn't just for old people. Obviously, you've changed that just recently. So where do, do our listeners find you if they want to touch base with you and find your videos, etc.? Yeah, so when I when I started my website, I called it cruising isn't just for old people.com because I never expected anybody to ever go to it. I didn't think about people having to type that in and how long <laughs> and annoying that is. I just thought it would be funny. And it was funny. It was great. I stand by that. Cruising is for everybody. But yep. my YouTube channel has really kind of overtaken my website in terms of what people know me as. And people, mm-hmm. I think the top search term to my website was Emma Cruises. So it just okay. made sense to kind of link everything together. So now I'm just Emma Cruises.com, Emma Cruises on YouTube, Emma Cruises on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just Emma Cruises, because I think it's so much easier. And, and that's yeah. what people kind of know me as. So yeah. And it goes from strength to strength every week. So if you, you haven't found Emma, do look her up. She's got some great uh, great YouTube videos there, which come out pretty much weekly, I think, from, from memory. Yeah, I have always had a schedule of at least one proper video a week, one live stream a week, and one kind of news update a week. Now I'm doing this full time. If something happens, I'm just going to make a video because I want it. And I can just put it on the internet. And that's <laughs> it's been it's been so so good to be able to do that whereas before i'd have to wait you know till 5 p.m and by that point it's everyone already knows it so yeah it's been really good i think i've managed a couple couple of weeks i think for the last month so it's been good oh brilliant well um hopefully we get a chance to catch it with you after you've done this this first cruise on msc because i'd love to hear all about it i am so so jealous Mm -hmm. and if you do have a couple of minutes to share that with us that'd be greatly appreciated and of course i'll put the links to uh to your youtube channel and everything in the show notes so that everybody knows where to find you thank you that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.